Welcome back. Today, uh, if you've been following me, we're going to start a new teaching. And this teaching will go alongside of Exodus. Now, I'm not going to stop my teaching in the book of Exodus, but alongside of it, we're going to bring in the teaching uh, of the prophecy of Jeremiah. And this is considered one of the grand prophets of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, if you notice when Jesus inquired of his disciples, asking them, who do men say that I am? Matthew chapter 16. Uh, some of the people were even musing that Jesus may have been Jeremiah because Jeremiah was considered to be one of the great prophets. And he was often, we'll see, quoted sometimes in the New Testament, but he'll be quoted sometimes in a, in a way that would be holistic, speaking of as the prophets, especially in the plural. But we ain't gonna get into all of that. But we are going to begin today with our study in the prophecy, the book of Jeremiah, and we're gonna to start today with our introduction, okay? So this video, of course, will not be that long, even though the prophecy of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, what's like 52 chapters long? But it's not that difficult. Now, there can be some parts of Jeremiah that can seem difficult because Jeremiah's book is not in chronological order. And that's the first thing that we need to understand. His book is not like Ezekiel. If you look at the prophecy of Ezekiel, for the most part, Ezekiel's prophecies are all in chronological order. But Jeremiah did not compile his prophecies in that manner. But anyway, let's just simply start it this way with Jeremiah the prophet. And who was Jeremiah? Jeremiah was from the priestly family that was in Anathoth. Uh, this was a particular uh, city that was given during the time of Joshua. And even though he was of the priestly family, Josiah, son of Hilkiah, even though he was of that priestly family, there is no evidence that Jophiah actually performed any particular duties of a priest, that he, in other words, that he officiated in any sense as a priest. He was called, as we'll see in chapter one, he was called as a prophet to the prophet by God at a very, very early age to the point that he even believed that he himself was too young. He considered himself to be a child to speak prophetically for God to Israel, that is basically to Jerusalem, as well as to the nations. And with respect to the youth of Jeremiah, we'll also find out too, uh, as we work into the scriptures, all of these things we will not cover in introductory fashion, but once we get into the prophecy, we'll see these things, that Jeremiah was also unmarried. God commanded him to be unmarried. And it was customary at this particular time, during these times, for young men to get married at their late teens. I say, say for about uh, uh, 17, 18, up into early 20s. So it was customary for young men to be married by that time. So what this allows us to see is the prophetic calling of Jeremiah took place probably in his late teens, early, very early 20s uh, at the most. All right. Uh, the meaning of his name is unsure. It could mean maybe Yahweh casts down, Yahweh throws down, Yahweh exalts. It's 
it's undetermined the exact meaning of Jeremiah's name. Remember, usually you'll see uh, with the prophets that their names have certain relationships with their prophecy or the theme or purpose of their prophecy. Like say, for instance, Zechariah, God remembers. And we know Zechariah is a post-exilic prophet. And therefore, what is he saying? God is remembering his covenant that he has with Israel as he brings them back after the Babylonian exile to restore them to the land, to cause them to prosper in remembering his covenant with his people. But Jeremiah, we don't really know the meaning of his name. Now, let's go to the date. The date of Jer Jer Jeremiah prophecy is around about 627 B.C. That's, and, and I don't want to get into a lot of history because history is very important in understanding the prophecy of Jeremiah. But anyway, the, the history is really important in understanding. When you look at the Old Testament prophets, history is important in understanding all of it. But the time of his prophecy, let's just deal with that. And we'll talk about some of the historical events that were taking place uh, later on. 627 B.C. up until about 586, really 582 B.C. And the reason why we say uh, 586 B.C. because we understand that's when Nebuchadnezzar actually destroyed Jerusalem and the temple according to the word of God. This was under the reign of Zedekiah, the last uh, king prince, king of Israel, Judah, Jerusalem. So he prophesied that time, but he continued on to prophesy even after the destruction of Jerusalem. Remember, we'll see this all in the book of Jeremiah to the point when the people trying to escape what they would believe would be punishment for the killing, and, and I shouldn't even be into this, but I guess I just talk about it anyway, that once Nebuchadnezzar finally destroyed Jerusalem, he would not allow anyone from the throne, that is one of the seed of David, to govern Jerusalem. So he put over Jerusalem a man by the name of Gedaliah, a governor of Gedaliah, to the which uh, there were a certain, there was a certain man by the name of Ishmael who conspired and assassinated the governor of Judah, uh, of Jerusalem, that was placed by Nebuchadnezzar. And so the people were afraid and they ran away to Egypt and they took Jeremiah. And, e and this is after 586 BC. And even there, while in Egyptian, being taken captive by his own people, Jeremiah prophesied about destruction that would be coming. So this is even after 586 BC. So we understand that Jeremiah's prophecy was roughly about 627 BC to 582 BC, not trying to be exceptionally exact. Now, you heard me talk about the history. What makes Jeremiah uh, unique and the understanding of Jeremiah uh, necessary is to understand the history, what was taking place in the world. Up until that time, the time of Jeremiah, Assyria, the kingdom of Assyria, was considered the world power of the ancient Near East. Assyria was the power. But with the death of, and we don't want to get into all of these names prematurely, Ashurbanipal, who was the final king of Assyria, this is roughly around 627 B.C., 
And it was during his time that Assyria began to fall into great decline as its world's dominance was being challenged by Babylon. So what we see in the time for Jeremiah, we see a decline of the Assyrian power. We see this especially in the book of Isaiah. Remember, uh, what is it, chapter 7 when it talked about Ahaz, but we won't get into all of that. But a decline in the Assyrian power and the rise of Babylonian power. But what you have to remember is, even though these are the political intrigues in the world events, all of these things are being done through the sovereign hand of God as God is raising up Babylon, namely Nebuchadnezzar, uh, to bring judgment upon his people and even the surrounding nations. And even we'll see how God himself, and, and we can see how all of this is covered, even the book of Daniel. Uh, we see part, part, part of this in the book of Ezekiel, we see this again once in Jeremiah. We see this in Isaiah, how it is prophesied the rise of um, the Babylonians. But God is sovereignly using the Babylonians to chastise his people as well as other nation states surrounding them and to be the dominant world power. So this is not just simply happening in some sense of politics and world domination apart from God. This is very much in the hand of God. So let's go back to look at some of these things. And I don't want to be really long in the introduction. But as we see the decline of the Assyrian power, and we see this basically uh, during, during the final years, because Jeremiah would talk about uh, his prophecy from the time of Josiah up until the final king, that is Zedekiah. As the Assyrians began to decline, and we see this basically under Josiah, and the Babylonians began to rise, there is a quick, well, I wouldn't say too quickly, but there is a movement during the change of the kings of Judah, that is Jerusalem, and into the which they will vacillate because as Babylon is coming to power and remember, okay, let me put it this way. Judah, Jerusalem was, was a vassal nation. They were under the domination of the Assyrians. So as the Babylonians began to come to power, the Kings of Judah as, as well as Egypt and even other surrounding nations, who were under the domination of the Assyrians. They see this as an opportunity to gain their independence from Assyria and even for Egypt to try to assert dominance uh, uh, like they did in the past, but we're not gonna get into all of that. So what we see is with Josiah, he, he comes and all of a sudden Egypt uh, uh, is coming out uh, against um, the Assyrian powers that be uh, uh, against against <laughs> the Assyrian powers that be Josiah comes against them. And we don't want to get into all of this history. And I'm trying not to drag into this, but he is actually killed in battle. And then Egypt places over, uh, what is it? Jehoahaz the son of uh, uh, Josiah, Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz doesn't last on the throne too long, and he is replaced by Jehoiakim. 
But again, the point that I'm trying to make without getting into all of the history, once we get into the text, I'll talk about the history uh, more so once we get into the text. But uh, so Jehoiakim becomes the king. Now he vacillates. And, and what he does is at, at one time he vows his allegiance to uh, uh, Egypt because he thinks Egypt is now going to be a power. And then he switches from allegiance to uh, Egypt from to, to Babylon. And then he switches again back from Babylon again. So we see Jehoiakim of Vassalite because once again, the whole idea of what I'm trying to talk about without getting into all of this and I'm not doing a good job, sorry, is that he is seeking independence. First, the independence they saw they were seeking that is Jerusalem, which is the main thing. The independence was from Assyria, the Assyrian empire. As the Assyrian empire was destroyed by the Babylonians, that is at the battle of Carchemish, I believe it was. Uh, 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 yeah, around 605 BC. And the Babylonians, that's with Babylon and the Medes came together. The Assyrians came to abrupt end. Babylon comes to power. And so they're playing this game, this shell game. It's like, we'll be loyal to whomever seems to be the one in power, but our ultimate mindset is to have independence for ourselves. Okay, with enough said about that, because we're not going to go from Jehoiakim and then his death as he revolted, 597 BC, and then we have Jehoiakim, and then he himself was actually taken from the throne and taken into Babylon, and then from Jehoiakim, then to Zedekiah, who was the final unstable ruler of Jerusalem unto, which, unto him, which Jerusalem was finally destroyed. So that's basically how it worked. In the midst of all of these things, as I was just trying to say, was... God was raising Babylon as the arm of his destruction. Although God himself, Isaiah chapter 14, I think also Isaiah chapter 13, would later on bring Babylon into judgment. God will judge Babylon. And this, oh, I don't want to get into it. I almost let that slip. We have to get into the book of Isaiah to talk about that. But although God will later on bring Babylon into judgment, he still is going to use Babylon as an arm of his judgment, specifically for Jerusalem and the surrounding nations. You'll see about all the other nations of the Gentiles that will be talked about in the book of Jeremiah. You also see this in the book of Isaiah as well. Okay, but anyway, enough of that. But what is the problem? The problem was as God brought Isaiah to 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 bring judgment to prophesy judgment against Jerusalem because of her sins, because of her abandoning of the covenant of Moses, because of her rank idolatry. And we see that especially during the time of Manasseh. We'll talk about that once we get into the book of Jeremiah, how that Manasseh abandoned the God of his fathers, namely Hezekiah, and how he instituted idolatry in such a way as was never seen in Jerusalem. And it had reached a point of no return. And that's the idea that's going on in Jeremiah to the, which we call Jeremiah, the last hour prophet because of the sins 
of Manasseh, even though Josiah had instituted, that is a good king that we talked about earlier, certain reforms, but those reforms were basically mechanical. The heart of the people were not changed and therefore the people quickly returned back into their sins. But the point of Jeremiah, so God had raised Jeremiah up. The people had abandoned the covenant of God. The nation was at his once wicked point. And we can see in the prophecies that and we're going to read in Jeremiah, uh, we, God is giving the people another chance all the time knowing that the people ultimately will not repent and God will have to bring judgment. That is according to the word of God. That is the law of the covenant that says what? If you ultimately disobey me and refuse to repent, you will be jettisoned from this land. Just like the people who are being jettisoned from the land that you're coming into. And that we see that early on in the book of Leviticus 18 and 20, how God had made a promise. And then finally in the, a promise, I'm going too fast. Leviticus 18 and 20 talked about the sexual sins. Okay. And the reason why these people, the Canaanites were being ejected from the land was because of their sinfulness. And we also see this in the book of Deuteronomy as Moses tells the children of Israel, be mindful to keep their covenant or likewise, they too will be rejected from the land. But now let's go back to our Jeremiah talk. So all of this is in the last stages. Okay. And Jeremiah is, and let's talk about the person of Jeremiah in the prophecy of Jeremiah. We're going to see him being more humanized than any of the other prophets. Uh, he's not, he doesn't quite stand like Isaiah, you know, he, he, he stands, you can see the sadness. And that's why you see some calling Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. You can see the sadness of Jeremiah. You can see the despondency of Jeremiah when he is rejected by the people. You can see even Jeremiah's resistance to prophesy when God tells him he wants you to do the job of prophet, And he kind of doesn't want to do that because of the discouragement of how the people are responding to him. You can even see the anger of Jeremiah as he wishes retribution on the people who are literally coming against him personally and even coming against God. So there is a lot of things we see so much of the human side that we all can relate to. And that's what I like about Jeremiah. He is a relatable prophet in that we can see that when we go through these things, and we have these particular feelings, even the prophets of old, namely Jeremiah, he felt like this too when the people resisted his words, when the people came against him, when they imprisoned him and all of the things that he suffered and the anger and the sadness, even the love that Jeremiah, because especially the love that he had for his people, as he saw uh, the, the word of God coming to him in judgment and that word of God being fulfilled. Okay, enough said about all of that. This is not supposed to have been that long, but the purpose, the purpose of Jeremiah's 
book is basically judgment with is judgment with respect to Jerusalem as well as the Gentile nations. And the theme also with Jeru with respect to Jerusalem will be restoration. Now, this is going to be uh, 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 an assumption with the Gentiles nations as well, but only with the Gentile nations as it has to do with Jerusalem in her ultimate restoration, which we know comes in the days of the Messiah. We understand this to be the millennial reign. But anyway, so that's the purpose that is to bring to speak of judgment that is to come to Jerusalem because of her sinfulness and idolatry and failure to hear the prophets that came before Jeremiah. Okay, that's what we call it, the last hour. This judgment is to come. That is the purpose of it and ultimately look to the restoration. But the purpose ultimately is judgment. And this also has to do with the theme, judgment and then restoration. We also see this when we look at the book of Jeremiah. And I think I talked about that a little bit in that the book is not in chronological order, but the way that the book has been compiled is to speak of uh, judgment with respect to Jerusalem and then judgment with respect to the Gentile nations. And then we'll see little passages here and there with respect to the restoration of Jerusalem. The audience of the book, the audience of the book is quite clear. Uh, Jeremiah is a prophet to Jerusalem, but he also has a, an, an unusual job as a prophet to the nations, that is to the Gentile nations. And the prophecy is one, as we've been saying uh, over and over again, is one of judgment. So he comes to Jerusalem, he speaks the prophecy and his whole the idea of his message, what God is saying to him is, he is going to bring judgment to the nation by the hands of the Babylonians. Therefore, Jerusalem, as well as the Gentile nations, whether it be Egypt, Moab, Ammon, or whomever, you should submit to Babylon because Babylon is uh, the hand authority of God. Anyone who refuses to submit to Babylon will be judged, will be disciplined by God. And this will be done through, uh, this will be done through the Babylonians themselves. So the point is the audience, Jeremiah speaks to Jerusalem as well as Gentile nations, unusual thing. The, uh, God is going to judge through the hands of the Babylonians and therefore they should submit to Babylon and not be ultimately destroyed. We know that in the end, they won't listen to the prophecy of Jeremiah and because of the nature of Jeremiah's prophecy, that is Jeremiah is telling Jerusalem to submit to and become a vassal state that is under the authority of Babylon because he is prophesying in this way, Jeremiah's own people see him as a traitor. And that's how Jeremiah is going to be viewed, uh, basically for the most part throughout the book. And they're going to look, uh, for Jeremiah to be disciplined or even imprisoned because of the prophecies that God is going to give him. 
All right, enough said about all of that, but thanks guys for joining me with our introduction in the book of Jeremiah. I cannot wait to get into it because we also, as we look at the prophecy of Jeremiah, we also wanna understand the practical nature of it. How does it speak to us today? Especially in our country, and I'm speaking from the United States of America, in a country who once had some seminal relationship with God, who understood herself as being a nation under God, but now a nation who has thrown God off, who has rejected the word of God, and I believe as Jerusalem, who had rejected the word of God, was now under the discipline and judgment of God, I believe our nation too has fallen under the discipline and judgment of God. The only thing that we can do is what Jeremiah said, as well as all the rest of the prophets said, the only thing that we can do to keep from falling into judgment is repent. All right. Thanks guys for joining me with that intro. Join me next time. Now we have not stopped uh, uh, in our teaching in the book of Exodus. We'll probably be in Exodus the next, next video. I don't know whether I'm gonna go with Jeremiah or Exodus, but we're still going to be doing both Exodus as well as the book of Jeremiah, all right? If these lessons have been a blessing to you guys, there's always a link in the description that you can use to support the continuation of this ministry and if God has moved your heart to do so. If you say, Pastor Lee, thanks for doing that. Will you support me in all of these things? All right, guys, thanks for joining me. See you next time.